In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Betches Media presents... Afternoon Tea with host Sammy Sage. Is that what you're saying? Please proceed, Governor. Presented by the Betches Sub Podcast. You better hope there's a lot of girls listening to this with the volume turned down. Your weekly dose of political therapy. Cardi, that's what I've been doing my whole life. And now, with this week's guest. Well, there were three of us in this marriage, so it was a bit crowded. Your host, Sammy Sage. Welcome to today's episode of Afternoon Tea, your companion to the morning announcements and weekly political therapy session brought to you by The Betches Sup. Today's guest is Blair Erskine, a viral comedian and writer. Blair and I chatted about the political landscape in Georgia, how she went viral for her satirical videos of fake MAGA characters, the experience of having a pandemic wedding, and why leaving the house is just so fucking hard. With that, let's get the tea from Blair. Hi, Blair. I am so excited to have you. Welcome to the afternoon tea. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. So I came across, I guess your, I guess it was Twitter where, which is where I originally found you during the 2020 election. And you would do these like, you do these really funny satire videos. And I just, I just think you're, I'm so excited to have you because you are like really (laughs) one of, one of the funniest, like most clever people um on my timeline oh wow oh thank you but okay before we get into um comedy and your career and you know just more more things like that you so you are out of Atlanta um and Mm -hmm. we just experienced a really horrific shooting well several really horrific shootings last night um and you know I feel very lucky that I have you this morning um, what is it? What's the mood kind of like, you know, on the ground? Oh, yeah, super somber, definitely. I mean, um, it was alarming. The One of the spas, I, I live two minutes away from, just it's right down the road. And it's just, it's horrifying to think that you could be at the grocery store with one of, you know, these women who were killed. And, you know, the next day they're, yeah, being murdered because of their race um it's awful yeah it's really it's really horrible we're still i think like learning more about it but it does seem pretty clear that it was um a racist hate crime but definitely you know that i mean what is it what is it sort of like being a liberal a very progressive comedian and voice out of atlanta or really out of georgia i'm i'm is more my question um sure yeah yeah, because I mean, in Atlanta, it's not a big deal. Most people here are pretty progressive. I say that, but I mean, most people are compared to where I'm from. I'm from a really tiny town in South Georgia. Grew up on a sod farm in the middle of nowhere and uh, near Plains, where Jimmy Carter is from. And um, it is a very conservative town. And, you know, when I was growing up, I wasn't very political or outspoken about. I mean, we were taught that talking about politics was rude, you know? like sex and politics and religion, you just didn't really, I mean, we talked about religion, but um, you just weren't supposed to talk about those things. Uh, and, but my high school English teacher, Miss Fuller, 
was very uh, outspoken. She was like, I'm a Democrat. You know, she's Jimmy Carter's niece. And so that's why that was the connection. She's allowed. She's she's allowed. She was like, everybody else in my family is Republican. I'm a Democrat. And that was the first time I I really uh, started to think about, um, I guess, the divisiveness there between Democrats and Republicans. Uh, I remember being like in fourth grade and my dad telling me, if anyone asks you, you're a Republican. (laughs) George Bush, I think, was the president then. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm a Republican now. But it wasn't until I, I moved away when I was 17. I came to Atlanta a few years later that I started getting more uh politically involved and educated and that kind of stuff were your were your parents and your family democrats at just pretending to be republicans um you know my dad was a very staunch republican but he was also i mean he said he was a republican and he voted republican but he also raised me and i ended up the way that i am and he was very just like you know, he would always tell me when I was a kid, women should be able to get abortions and gay people should get married. There's nothing wrong with that. And so I don't know how the hell he decided he was a Republican. Uh, but yeah, it's weird. I think it's all in the way that uh, you're raised, where you're from. He was a veteran, too. He fought in Vietnam. So just different, different things. But I would say he's a liberal. Yeah, I feel like there's such a there's such a difference between how people identify and call themselves like, Republican versus Democrat, but really their ideals may not necessarily reflect what they're saying that they are. Exactly. Uh, Yeah, exactly. It's been so, I mean, you did a lot of work. Um, I know you raised like, I think $25,000 for the Senate runoffs for the for the house for the house races they did uh, for the senate i'm not sure exactly how much we raised it was um i think quite a lot because people were so energized about Ossoff and warnock uh because that we had the house races which were a big deal and you know it didn't turn out great uh, but um and then the senate obviously did thank god so uh yeah i tried i tried to do i did the least it was literally the least i could do i mean all i was doing was asking people on twitter to donate which is you know I don't know if that's doing the work, but I'm glad that I was able to, I don't know, I got so lucky to have this platform and I was able to, to do that. And people were so ready to do anything, which was nice. What do you think about like this, this election cycle? Do you think that what happened in Georgia was a fluke or do you think that Georgia really is a kind of more progressive state than it, than it seems? Like, I, I feel like we were raised on this ideal of blue states and red states and it's proving more, it's proving to kind of be a fallacy. Yeah, definitely. I, no, I don't think it was a fluke. This has been something that has been years in the making. Um, and I mean, it's definitely in South Georgia and places like where I'm from, it, they're very red parts of the state. But um, there are also a lot of Democratic voters in those counties as well. And so I think it's all a matter of time. I think that, like I said, this has been a long time coming and people like Stacey Abrams and Black Voters Matter and the New Georgia Project, all of these grassroots organizations have been just mobilizing people for the past few years. Um, And the people were already here, you know, and they already had these ideals and um, they were already Democrats. It's not like we're flipping people, you know, it's just a matter of allowing them to vote. So I think it's more of a blue state than a red state, but it's just, are we letting those people have their voices heard? Which you see now they're trying to take away the system they put in place. Right. Do you think there is room for changing people's opinions outside of just increasing turnout and registering more people and getting more people like actively engaged? 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, I know that there were plenty of people who voted for Joe Biden this election that voted for Trump the last time, right? But they voted for Joe Biden and then voted red, you know, down the rest of the ticket is what it seems like happened. And so, um, yeah, I think people's minds can be changed. I think we need to focus more, though, on, you know, those local um, races and elections um, to make real lasting change because it starts, you know, from the bottom and, and, and that's how we get change at the top. But uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, people, I don't know if it's just that Trump does such a horribly shitty job. Or, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, it remains to be seen. So we'll see if those people vote for Biden again, you know, in the next election, or if they vote for Tucker Carlson or whoever the Republican nominee is going to be. Exactly. You think it could be because I'm so I, scared. I know. I feel like I feel like it's sort of a sleeper because it's he's feels like one of the only people in the Republican Party who has that sort of grip that Trump had. And it, it doesn't seem like they're really offering much other than voter suppression. There's no policies they're offering. So all they have is a cult of personality. So if it's not Trump. Yeah. I'm terrified that it might be Tucker Carlson. Um because I just don't think, I, yeah, I think now they can't go back. They they can't nominate like a Mitt Romney and expect that to go well because people are so um, fired up. I mean, it is a cult of personality, and unfortunately, he has that right now. So, um, God, but oh, I don't even like to think yeah, about it. I know <laughs> it makes me sick. Tucker Carlson is uncomfortably young as well. He is. I was just thinking. I think he's. I want to say he's 51. I don't know. I Googled his age the other night for some reason. I think I discovered he was on Dancing with the Stars. And yeah. I was like, how old is this? Yeah, um, that was amazing. They really take, you know, some superb individuals, that show. They take any, but oh my yeah. God. Yeah, Sean Spicer, I thought, was the worst it had ever been. I didn't realize Tucker Carlson had been Rick on there. Perry. He was eliminated the first. Oh, Rick Perry was on? I think so. Glasses, Yeah. What are but they was it doing Rick over Perry? here? It wasn't Rick Scott. I'm pretty sure it was Rick Perry. Hold on. It can't be Rick Scott. Google. Yeah. <laughs> Dancing. Yeah, it was Rick Perry. Oh, my God. What in the world? I know. It's like, who? Why? Why? Although, are they, they're just like rehabilitating Republicans. Although part of me feels like, you know what? They should all just go on Dancing with the Stars. Like, let that be their path. Embarrass yourself. Yeah. Because where are you going to go after that? I mean, but the, the thing is, Tucker Carlson... It helped him. I mean, I don't know if that helped him. I don't think anybody really is thinking about his Dancing with the Stars days. He danced in like khakis and a white button down. That was his costume. It wasn't even like a flashy flame. It, 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 mm. We got to resurface yeah. that. Please. Yeah. Get it out there. Let's ruin him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if there's a way it needs to be That's done before way. 2024. <laughs> yes. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners. I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Because now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone for any occasion. And it's easy. You just tap or click gift mode in your Etsy app or Etsy.com and then answer a few questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And gift mode instantly gives you a curated gift idea list based on hundreds of personas. Now it is simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. 
Some of my favorite things to do are go to Etsy gift mode and then search absurd things like what kind of gifts do you have with Walter Cronkite on them? What kind of gifts do you have for dachshund owners? There's jewelry, ceramic, toys, board games, all kinds of fun stuff. A gifting moment is always right around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. Okay, so let's talk about your comedy career. I know now you're, you know, obviously really well known for doing these MAGA adjacent characters, and you genuinely seem to confuse people, like whether or not that's a real person. Um, so how did you what how did you get into this? Like what were you doing comedy before? Yeah, I was doing comedy before. I started doing improv in 2015 um, after college. And then I wanted to be a writer. I've always wanted to be a TV writer. And you can't write improv. So I switched to stand-up comedy uh, in 2017. And uh, yeah, I was just doing that. And then the pandemic hit. Um, and, you know, stand-up comics, we're all just looking for it, validation, I think, is what we're doing it for. And the videos I started doing in March, I think it started with this uh Vanessa Hudgens thing I did. Um, I was pretending to uh, read. It was whenever she made that coronavirus <laughs> yeah, video. The Coachella. She was like, the Coachella, yeah, yeah. Like, I know people are going to die. <laughs> um, so I made a video pretending to be like a casting agent. Um, and that was fun. And I liked it. So I just kept doing it. And then in July, uh, the one that I made about the Costco guy who was threatened in Costco, he said, uh, it went viral. And it's because no one knew who I was, you know, so I could have been this guy's wife. And um, it was it was terrifying. I made it and I got a little tipsy and I looked at my phone and it had just blown up. And and when that something like that happens, when you go super viral on Twitter, it's like you just want to do it again. It's it's like, you yeah. know, a dopamine hit is what it is. All those um, and so like I've just notifications, been competing. they just like, oh, yeah, I turned mine off recently. I, I don't get them anymore. Of course, I still log on to Twitter, but at least I don't have it, you know, showing up on my phone. I recommend that. I Yeah, it's probably for the best. Oof. So how do you film those? Do you write them in advance? They feel like they're in one take. Are they in one take? Oh, no. <laughs> uh, some of them are. Some of them are. So the one I did uh, about Ted Cruz recently, pretending to be his uh, director so of communications. <laughs> like, I had to yeah. do that one fast. Yeah. I was like, I had to do it before he releases. That felt like really you just were on the fly. That was on the fly, but that's rare for me. Usually I do write them out. I'll just, you know, write down whatever comes to mind, just top of mind jokes, and then record a few different takes and cut them together. The jump cuts really help me. Um, they really add to the humor. I don't think I'm as, as funny without those jump cuts. But in rare cases, like the the Ted Cruz one, I'll do it in one take and just get it out there super fast. That, yeah, that one was like, that was <laughs> one of your best. <laughs> Thank you. What do you want to kind of like get into next comedy wise post pandemic? I mean, hopefully that is on oh the horizon God. for us. First of all, I'm so scared of post pandemic. It hit me recently. I'm like, can we just wait? <laughs> <laughs> what are you scared just of? Slow down. I don't even know, Sammy. I, 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 I don't know. It's just like, you know, this started last year around this time. And we were like, it's just going to be a couple of weeks. And then we got used to it being more than a couple of weeks. And then I just got settled into being at home all the time and like doing things like this at home. And, you know, I have a bunch of me, everything that's happened, every good and cool thing has happened here in my room and like at this desk. <laughs> and the thought of having to go out and meet people, I don't know. It's just, um, 
I saw someone tweet the other day, like, I need to work on my personality before <laughs> this ends. And that's, I mean, I feel like I'm just not ready. You know, I feel like I told myself I was going to get ready and I haven't yet. Were you prior to the pandemic? Are you like an introvert or an extrovert? I know that question I'm- like is fake, but... Do you get, like, do you, do you prefer to, like, be at home in, like, a cocoon? Definitely. Because, like, I do. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm an introvert. And, I mean, I I was doing stand-up, but I hated, like, I didn't go to open mics very often because I just don't like to be out that much. I'm not fun. I'm not a fun person. I'm, okay. So, I can really relate to that. Like, I really (laughs) am, even, what I find is that, like, even when I want to do something, like, the idea of it, of getting back to my couch, like also feels really appealing and compelling. Yes. So, okay. So I think I understand like where you're coming from. Do you, do you feel like, did you develop any like weird tics, habits, like anything like that in, in quarantine? I've developed an actual physical tick with my neck. I keep like, I don't know if it's just stress, but I keep, um, I know this was not your question at all, but I need to see a chiropractor and I'm scared to go. <laughs> yeah, I'm afraid to go to, I'm like not trying to go to any doctors before I get the vaccine. Like I'm not doing no, anything. No, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, no, I'm physically, I'm in pain just because I've been at my computer so much and hunched over and I don't know, and I'm nervous, I, I twitch. Um but I don't know if I've developed any any anything that I didn't have before. Really, I'm just I'm. I would say I'm more uh, unreliable when it comes to communication. Like, yes. you know, yes. I thought because we. I was like, now I can talk to my friends all the time, and I, I just don't. You know, yeah, days go by. I mean, there's there's points of the day where I'm like okay, I want to stop looking at my computer. So I look at my phone. So I'm like, oh, wait, no, I don't want to look at a, a screen. So I look at my TV. <laughs> and then I'm like, I can't, I can't look at my TV. So I go back to the computer. And like, it really just, I can't imagine like living outside of this like command center of screens almost. Right? Yeah. No, I feel the same way. It makes me sick to think about real life. I, this is, I need to talk to my therapist about it i it's terrifying to think about being in the real world after this I, we're yeah. all gonna it's gonna be like relearning to walk after an accident or something yeah. is what, it's gonna what be about like. like germophobia like i'm a little now i'm sort of in this place where like because of the airborne nature of the virus like now i'm obsessed with opening windows and like oh, yeah. anytime someone's near like, i can only picture vapor coming out of their mouth <laughs> illustrations where yes. it has like this yes. this spray yeah <laughs> i'm the same way i'm the same way i was never a big germaphobe before Neither. this and i'm not really now i mean i'm doing the normal stuff like the yeah. basic stuff obviously i'm always masked up and i always sanitize my hands when i get back in the car but sometimes i'll be honest sometimes i don't though like sometimes i'll get into the car after going to the grocery store and i forget to sanitize my hands and then i'm like It'll probably be fine, yeah. you know, but I don't know why. You're like my husband's like, I'm like, I'm like, did you wash your hands? Like, <laughs> have you washed your hands since you've been home? What have you touched? <laughs> exactly. I. It's terrible because I mean, it's only with myself, though. I don't want to put anyone else in danger. But I'm like, if I get it, you know, yeah. I, I find myself thinking that and then I'm like slapping myself like you can't get it. You have asthma. Bitch, wake up. <laughs> right. Um. It's, yeah. That's, so. that's sort of how I feel with like. <laughs> Like I, I want to obviously go to a restaurant so badly, but with indoor dining, it just, I just tell myself, I'm like, it's Russian roulette. Like, you know, exactly. I could be the one that, that gets you the case the that's one. really bad. Like, 
and then exactly or even, or even if you don't even have it that badly but like I don't need to not be able to to breathe for a year I can barely breathe this year because I don't move from the seat so it's like there's Same. no more stamina I, exactly I have trouble breathing all the time we have a really steep incline here at my uh, condo complex when I walk my dog and I'm coming back up the hill like I almost die every time I don't need to get this thing you know um and make it worse. I don't know why I'm playing God here with my own life, but I ha- I don't go anywhere. I haven't eaten indoors. And even when I get the vaccine, um, I won't go out to eat because I don't want the waiter looking at me like, because I look like a Republican, you know, I know this and I'm scared the waiter will be like, you MAGA bitch. Maybe, maybe you need like a tattoo or something. Like, like we, we all need yeah. like, that sounds so dystopian, but yeah, something that like we got it. the Death Eaters, but like the not Death Eaters. <laughs> Exactly. Well, in Contagion, they had wristbands or something after they got the vaccines because he showed up at her house for prom and he held his wristband up. I think about it every day. (laughs) I didn't watch Contagion until this started. I watched it in March. I watched it like the first week of the pandemic. Perfect (laughs) timing. Yeah. Why did we do that? I was like, let me see what's going to happen. I guess. It kind of like did bear out that way, like a little bit less because it was like a movie, but it did sort of, you know, we've been here for a year now. But yeah, is your dog a pandemic dog? What do you mean by pandemic? Oh, did I get yeah. it during the pandemic? Yeah. Uh, no. Uh, um, so no, my husband had her before we met. And then I have a, a dog too bef- that I had before my husband and I met. And so no, they're, they're old dogs. Okay. They're just, yeah. But are a lot of people getting dogs? I guess oh, so. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, ha- I had a pre-pandemic dog, but we also got a pandemic dog um, <laughs> just so that he would have a friend. What did you name him? Uh, Larry David. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I love that. Does he look like Larry David? No. Our first dog's Bruce Bader Ginsburg. They're both Boston Terriers. (laughs) One's brown, one's black. So incredible. My dog's name is George Clinton Bones. Oh, that's great. I love him. What kind of dog? Yeah. He's a pointer, Great Dane mix. He's just a big, uh, bluesy looking dog. Like he just is always... I don't know, pouty, and he, he's just an old country dog. And then we have one named Sammy. Oh, and hello. her name was Sammy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, we spell it like yeah. uh, Sammy with an I. Her name's Samantha. I guess that was her name when we got her from the pound. It's funny, my co-founders like. I think they've given up on this, but like I've been Sammy since I was like five. Like it's the whole my whole life. They like a few years ago were like, you need to stop being Sammy. Like you sound like a dog. What? I'm like, what? Yeah. They're like, you sound like a dog's name. I'm like, whatever. I tried to be Samantha, but then I was just like, fuck it. Like I, I can't. Samantha. Like it's it's like I'm not Samantha. I have sex with everyone. Like it's like from No, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, Samantha's a weighty name. I didn't realize other dogs were named Sammy. I really thought it was just ours. Oh yeah. Big dog name. But I think it's an S A M M Y. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X as well as petite and maternity. You get fast free shipping returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. 
And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com, newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental, change your clothes. Okay, I have another another pandemic question for you. We actually have something in common. We both got married during the pandemic. Congratulations. Congratulations to you. <laughs> Thank you. Was was that were you were you planning to, did your wedding get canceled because of the pandemic? Like how did that go? How did that go down? Listen. God, we got engaged on January 26th oh. and to exactly. So like 10 minutes after we got engaged, we get the notification on our phones that Kobe had died and we were like, shit. Really that you day? Know, it was that t- yeah, it was that day. Wow. And so we were like, we can't really be too happy today. And and then, you know, it just all went downhill from there. And so I'm not going to say we caused this, <laughs> but <laughs> not going to yeah. say we didn't. And we were like, we just wanted to, we didn't want to have a long engagement, you know. And obviously, this was before the pandemic really came out in full force. So in February, we set the date for October um, 17th. And then, um, you know, we just, I'm not a person who wants to deal with like t- contacting vendors and changing and this and that. And our venue was outside. It was at this older couple's house who like, they just had so much space outdoors. And so all we did was cut down our guest list to just like our moms and like 10 friends and everybody wore a mask the whole time. And we all stayed outside. And um, yeah, we just kept our date. Because, you know, I was like, maybe if we get married fast, this will end and we'll break the curse. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, Biden did get elected two weeks later. You're right about that. You're welcome, everybody. Yeah, look look what you did. Did you think it was going to be over? I mean, you really you really lucked out that you didn't lose like your first round of deposits. Um, Yeah. But it's that that cannot be overstated. But did you think it was going to be done by October? Oh, yeah. I mean, I I thought that until like July, you know, or whatever. I, I forget when exactly I stopped having hope. <laughs> I forget because for a while I was holding on to hope. I mean, we yeah. ordered 150 invitations. Oh. And then there was a moment where I was like, well, we can't do this, <laughs> you know. And so we sent out the invitations with letters inside that said like, sorry, um, you know, here's proof that we were going to invite you, but you just can't come. Um and yeah, no, I did think that. When did you get married? I got married in August. Okay, um, we were supposed to get married in April, so we had been engaged for basically oh, a wow. year. Like the like when this happened, so we did mm-hmm. have to like cancel, deal with all that. Ooh. Then we then I booked um, November first in a museum, thinking like, oh, it's gonna <laughs> be over. I'm glad that that didn't work out because the stress of the election on November first, like, would have been. Oh God. No one would have been able to enjoy it even if there was no COVID. But then by the summer, we were just like, let's just get married this summer while we can still do it outside. We did it at my husband's parents' house. And yeah, like, I'm just happy. It's like you. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I didn't need the, we did basically the same thing, like, same type, like, number of friends. Like, we just didn't need the whole, 
150 people, although it would have been nice. It would have been nice. I know. I do think about it like, damn, because <laughs> you think about it your whole life, right? Yeah. Like your wedding and what it's going to look like. And you want all of your loved ones to be there. You want to dance. I mean, we couldn't dance yeah. like normal people dance because we had to stay away from each other. I, I'm i so paranoid about my loved ones getting sick. You know, our moms or grandmas were there. So I was like, everybody stay away, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, so, I, yeah, I do think about that. But I'm not having like a second wedding to redo it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know? think it's worth the money like that's the that's the that's like the shadily good thing is that like it was significantly less expensive than it would have been had we done the whole thing but that's so true so are you how do you so you're ultimately like happy with how it went and you know enjoying quarantined life with your new husband yeah i think so i mean i think about it sometimes and i'm like ah I mean, I'm just, I don't know. It, it comes in, it ebbs and flows. I Sometimes I'm disappointed and I'm like, I wish it could have been different or we should have waited because I see so many people waiting. Same. Uh, but then I'm like, I'm, yeah, happy it's over with. And I don't know. Weddings are overrated is what I learned, right? They're yeah. just not, they're just not what you think they are. And <laughs> I mean, a lot of people say like, oh, well, at least you didn't, you could spend time with their close people, which I think is actually like a really valid point. Probably the most valid point. You don't have to talk to a bunch of people you didn't really want to be there in the first place. Yeah, no, that's very true. That's very true. And it was a gorgeous day. Like, you know, and we're alive. Everybody, you know, no one got sick. No one had COVID. So that's really all I can ask for. And it'll be a fun story to tell one day. We got married. Our kids will be like, why are you wearing masks in your wedding pictures? Yeah, right. Corona brides. No, I think I honestly think it's like kind of a cool. It's cool. Like, it's obviously not ideal, but it is cool that it, you know. Oh, and then yeah. No we're super cool. Doing it, you know? Honestly, our grandkids one day will be like, well, my grandma got married during the coronavirus pan. I mean, it will be. No, they won't say that. They'll need a fun fact for icebreakers. <laughs> that will be their fun fact. I mean, now, I mean, after this is over, you now have a fun fact. I mean, you have a lot of fun facts, but like that could be. Long. I That's such a good thing. I did not have a fun fact before this. And now it's just like the Twitter stuff. And it helps me a lot because I always wanted I always wanted to be on Jeopardy. And I was always scared of what I would tell Alex Trebek. Obviously, none of this is going to happen now because I don't have anything. And I didn't want him to hit me with the good for you. <laughs> <laughs> Move on to the next person. Um, but yeah, I've got this now. Thanks. <laughs> Once let's say let's like fast forward a year, comedy wise. Like, what do you like? What's your what's your aspiration? Like, do you still want to write for TV? Yeah, I do. I still want to write for TV, and I just got my first TV writing job actually, which is really exciting. Congrats! Can you share it? It's just for it's for a sketch show. Yeah, I can't share much, but it's just for like one season of a sketch show, and it's not like SNL or anything. So nobody freak yeah. out. But um, no, it's with somebody I really admire, though. And um, it's, yeah, just getting to be in a writer's room and get my feet wet and work with people who I admire has been great. And hopefully that continues, you know, and I get to write for another TV show. I'd like to create my own and do go sort of the Mindy Kaling, Tina Fey route there. And Sarah Cooper, I guess now she's doing her own thing, too, in TV. So um, yeah, I love TV. I love TV so much. I could see that for you. What are you, okay, you love TV. <laughs> what are you, what are you binging? Oh, God. Well, at the beginning of quarantine, I uh, binged The Sopranos. I made my, he had never seen it, my husband. Did you I'm, do it too? I'm literally in the middle right now. I mean, I've done it a million times, but I'm doing it again. Yeah. <laughs> it's comforting in a yeah. weird way. <laughs> it is. No, one of my good friends is also rewatching it again right now. Um, 
It's so good. I mean, so good. I I don't know why. I don't know. Tony Soprano makes me feel safe. Right. And we're, I don't know why. Right. Like, why, like if, if you applied the story of Tony Soprano to like anybody else, be like, what a horrific person. <laughs> He's bad. He's a bad person. Yeah. But I watch him and I'm like, that's my dad. You know, I'm watching The Sopranos. Like, he'll kick your ass if you mess with me. So I love The Sopranos. I watched it so much that the theme song was on my Spotify top songs for the end of the year. It was like number, I don't know, seven or something. It was up there. That's really Because um, I love that theme song. It gets me hype. It, it's my morning song. It, well, it does start with woke up this morning. I woke up this morning. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. On the second watch, um, something that I've really been that like I haven't been able to get away from or not second watch, like whatever, this current watch. <laughs> Like, is that AJ <laughs> Soprano is so misunderstood and maltreated. Like, I know that was probably, like, obvious maybe, but mm-hmm. I feel like with the sort of, like, new age, like, I don't want to say new age because it's not new age, but, like, a newer, more fresh perspective on mental health that maybe wasn't yeah. there when the show was being written. Like, he was so misunderstood. Doesn't he try to yeah. kill himself? Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. That was heartbreaking. Tony to jumped in the Don't pool. Ruin it for or me. Oh no, <laughs> well, he's fine. Yeah. But he, yeah, he changes so much. I mean, he starts out. He's such a cute kid. Yeah, I feel so bad for AJ. Um, man, just uh, he looks like Pugsley Adams. Is that who I'm thinking? thinking of like in the first few seasons yeah it's a little round kid i love whenever they find the website at like i don't know the mob.com and it's just a picture of their dad and it's like 1992 internet like (laughs) yes or really yeah she's like it's just right there dad's other family (laughs) (laughs) it's such a good show yeah. <laughs> Dad's in the mob. That's exactly how she said yeah. it. I yeah, I love her too. Um, okay, so you're 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 done binging Sopranos, but um, yes, Thirty Rock always. I'm just rewatching things I love. How to with John Wilson's really good if you haven't seen it. Yeah. Okay, Blair, we're going to move on to our last segment, which is something we do with everybody to kind of get to know them. So we do this with yes. You know, I did this with Samantha Power and everyone's, you know, everyone get, has kind of a different answer. So I'm really excited to see where, where you go oh with gosh. this. Okay. The four questions. Our first question is, what is your happiest memory? You know, when people ask me these questions, I forget every memory I've ever had. Yeah, I know. Uh, but <laughs> you know what I mean? I will say that, uh, so one of the most fun times I've experienced in the past few years is uh, my friends and I, uh, these friends that I met when I started doing improv, a um, bunch of weirdos. We entered this film uh, contest. I think it was like the 48-hour film festival or something. I don't know. They give you like a theme for your short film. And a lot of people take it very seriously. I would say everybody takes it very seriously. And we got, we entered it and we paid money to enter this thing. We got our theme and we couldn't think of a good idea. I forget what the theme was, but we ended up using sock puppets. And I mean, straight up, like we made these awful looking sock puppets and we had like a sock puppet sex scene. We did the sock puppet Titanic thing where they're spinning around and we, we made like a whole romantic comedy in like two minutes and it won. Wow. It won an award. It was, yeah, it was the best thing that's happened to me in a long time. Um, it was, yeah, because, I mean, a lot of people were very pissed. They put a lot of effort and I would be mad too because <laughs> it was really fast. And now it's on Broadway. It's, it's Avenue Q. Oh my God. I 
need to get that adapted. I mean, uh, yeah, they it say, could I mean, happen. It, it could happen. Stranger yeah. things, stranger things have happened. So that's on the internet somewhere. I should post it. It's awful. But you won. So obviously someone didn't think so. We're doing something right. Yeah, exactly. Totally. <laughs> okay, question two. If you could go on any vacation with any two people, dead or alive, who would they be and where would you go? Okay, so any two people? Yeah, you got to go Just as a trio, two. like a tripod. Okay, as a trio. Okay, I think I'm going to go with um, Joan Rivers. Mm. Definitely. I love Joan Rivers. Yes. Um, I'm going to say Joan Rivers. And it's between Oprah and Kathy Bates. You know what? <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll just do Oprah and Kathy Bates. We'll say that. And we would go to Hawaii. I love Hawaii. Wow. Um, and we should probably go somewhere I've never been before. But again, I don't remember places that exist. Uh, I, but I love Oprah. Uh, I used to watch Oprah every day at 4 p.m. after I got off the school bus. Um, so I'm obsessed. Did you ever watch Oprah on daytime TV when she was? You did, right? Okay, we're of that generation. I mean, it was every day. Yeah, my mom like loved Oprah. We saw, you know, it was exciting to see what the guests, not the guests, the viewers would get. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it was just, uh, it was an era. So Oprah and then Kathy Bates, I love. She um, slid into my DMs a couple of months oh, ago. What did she say? This is something I like to brag about. She said, uh, you're a brilliant child. And then uh, I got something. I was in the New York Times for something and she saw it and sent me a message. And she was like, uh, she was like, New York Times. Yes, queen. <laughs> so you have a real fan. You you Kathy do. Bates? You have a real fan. I honestly think that like of all the people who have um answered this question, like you might be closest to getting one of your one of your guests. I feel like maybe I have a chance. I'm gonna play my cards right and make that happen. Yeah, I I'm mean, gonna play it cool. Yeah, play cool. I think I think if this develops, so like it could be it could really be a thing. I feel like she's my aunt. Yeah, no, she's great. That would be such a fun vacation. That's a great answer. <laughs> I'd love to come on that vacation. Um, okay, the third question is, what are you horrible at and can't be trusted with? Oh, uh, so emails. I cannot do them. Emails, text messages, replying to anyone on time. I just, you know, it's it's the easiest thing in the world. I should be able to do it. But for some reason, it takes so much mental energy to to do. And I'm like, I, I, will, I will acquire the energy and I'll come back to this later. And then I always forget to come back to it later. And then I just get nervous to do it because then I'm late. And then uh, I have to go on an apology tour. It's just... Um, <laughs> So communication, I guess. I know what you. I, I I know what you mean. What what's what do you think holds you back? Because I can't really put my finger on what holds me back either. I think it's the fear that they will respond immediately. Yes. Yeah. Also on DM, <laughs> and also on DM that there's the red receipt. Like I wish there yes. was no red receipt. I would read more of them. I, exactly. So on Twitter, you know, you can turn yours off. Um, but on Instagram, they don't give you that option on Instagram. And that's really shitty of them, actually, Instagram, if you're listening. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> because I know that you can restrict people on Instagram. And if they message you, you can read it. And like they won't know that you read it. But what am I going to do? Restrict my best friend? Because that's the message I'm ignoring. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. I know what you mean. They need to fix that. It takes a lot. Of, I, think that, I think you're so right about the fear that they'll respond right away. And then you will have to have a conversation. <laughs> Rather than a correspondence. Exactly. And I used to look forward to, 
having chats with my friends like on AIM and like Facebook Messenger, whatever that first became a thing. I would love to, I would spend hours just talking to people. And I don't know what changed inside my brain. I cannot do it anymore. It's the con, I think it's just like the constant being on screens. Like we're not supposed to be like so hyper accessible. Yeah, we are too plugged in. <laughs> okay, last question. The last question is, if there, if you could change, like, if you could solve one problem in this world, just magically, like, the problem doesn't exist anymore, what if, what would it be for you? I, I, God, I sound like a beauty pageant <laughs> contestant, but poverty, oh, right? That would yeah. be the, yeah. I think poverty, I think fixing, um, Poverty would would fix a lot of other things like hunger and and you know food scarcity and things like that. So I feel like I would start with poverty. It's a good, there are a lot of problems. I know Molly Jong Fast chose child hunger, so you're right in that okay. ballpark with her. Good, good, good company. Yeah, redheads. Good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God, I was worried yeah. about that question. Yeah, but what if I was like <laughs> driving with bad windshield wipers in the rain? That's what my friend said. I thought. I thought you might say like a like a funny niche thing like with Twitter or something. Yeah, don't expect me to be funny, Sammy. That's your first problem. <laughs> I'm not funny when I talk to people. I think I'm, I need the I, jump cuts. I think you are. Um, Thank I you. I think you are funny. So I'm gonna disagree with you. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. I was searching for yeah. a compliment. Except <laughs> just fishing, reel it in. <laughs> Got it. All right, Blair, thank you so much. This has been so much fun, and I'm really excited for all the listeners to hear from you. And where can people follow you? Where can they, like, just plug yourself, I guess. Yeah, that's it's time for that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> plug myself. I'm, so I'm on Twitter, Blair Erskine. I'm on Instagram, Blair.Erskine. And, um, yeah, that's where you can find me. You can always just also Google me. I think those are the only places I am, you know. Uh, but yeah, it, send me a DM. Like I said, I will probably not answer it, but I might. You never know. You never know. I'll try to. You might intersect <laughs> with that burst of energy. You never know what could happen. Yeah. <laughs> if the stars align. <laughs> yeah. Afternoon Tea is produced by Sean Kilby and Jorge Morales Pico. Our editor is Stacey Wong. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Guest booking by Nicole Pellegrino. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore SUP on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails to SUPPod at Betches.com. Betches.